Welcome to the latest episode of the Odds On Podcast, your home of football and sports betting. My name's Dan Tracy and for the next 45 minutes I'm joined by two top guests as we dissect all the numbers, look for the value and find those long shots before this weekend's football action. As I say, it's not just me on the show today, so before we start waxing lyrical about wagers, let's get the introductions out of the way. First up, I'm joined by James Caps. James, it's a pleasure to have you on the show again. How have you been this past week? Yeah, very well, thank you. Actually, uh, you know, a bit of a boring story, but I bought an electric blanket the other day, which is actually proving quite a purchase in mid-February, so it has been some weeks so far. What a week. It can only get better. But exactly. also, we're joined by Jamie Brown, last but certainly not least. Jamie, there's no doubt it's been a bad week for Spurs, but how have things been with you, my friend? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't. Uh, I haven't quite had the exciting week as James sounds like he's had. Um, but yeah, I've definitely had quite the opposite. Um, being a Spurs fan, of course, very typical week being a Spurs fan. Feels so high after a couple of good results, and then they uh, inevitably come crashing down with uh, two really poor defeats. So um, yeah, I definitely could be doing better, unfortunately. And James, we might be missing a trick here. Is there a potential tie-in with this purchase of an electric blanket? Could we all get one? Where did you buy it from? Uh, I think there's a certain online marketplace that rhymes with Tramadon and is named after a river that runs through the top part of South America. But I won't give any clues. Okay, but Jeff, if you are listening, send these electric blankets our way. But anyway, that's the blanket chat and the intros out of the way. Let's get down to business. And of course, before we start, wherever you bet, make sure you check your bets with freebets.com first. Your best place for offers, tips and insights. And from a social media point of view, if you're placing any bets this weekend, let us know via the Odds On podcast hashtag. And who knows, we may be discussing your winners on next week's show. Right, it's time to look ahead to some more Premier League action. And first, we're going to focus on the race for fourth place, a race that is still struggling to get any one clear leader at present. And because of this, it's becoming more and more interesting than perhaps any title race that might actually be unfolding this season. So let's start with Manchester United, who played Brighton on Tuesday nights. They currently find themselves priced at odds of 7-4 to four in the top four market by virtue of their 2-0 win on Tuesday night. Now, James, you recently suggested that they're your favourites to finish fourth. Do you still stand by that with their recent form? Well, well, certainly not with their recent form in mind, because, let's face it, they've been pretty rubbish. But, you know, in regards to the, the top four race, they just always manage to get the job done in the end, don't they? They've got a two-point cushion on West Ham, who themselves weren't great at Leicester at the weekend and they've got the Europa League to think about as well. Arsenal and Spurs, they both have their problems too, don't they? So I do still think that on the whole, United have a slight edge. Okay then, Jamie. And as I say, after playing the Seagulls last night, the Red Devils now find themselves going to Ellen Road. Is it going to be another difficult away day for United? I know they've slipped up as of late, but will it be a golf fest at Ellen Road or do you fancy something different? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously been a, a very strange race for the top four. A lot of these teams seem to be kind of doing their best to throw it away. Um, but obviously, Manchester United on, on uh, Tuesday evening getting a huge win over Brighton. I mean, as I think I've said on a couple of shows now, Brighton are a team that I do really like. So I thought that was a big win for them. But um, no, I, I, I do kind of, I'm back in Man United to go and get the job done on the weekend as well. Um, you know, recently their head-to-head with Leeds has been very good. They've won three of the last four recent meetings between the two sides. They, of course, thrashed them 5-1 earlier this season. Um, and I think with Cristiano Ronaldo finally ending that six-goal drought, um, I think he'll kind of be now well up for it. And um, 
I think that the goals will start to flow for him. So that's a really good boost for Manchester United. Um, and then, of course, I think Leeds, they've been poor at home this season as well. They've only won three of their 11 home matches in the Premier League. So they're not exactly a side that have been fantastic at Ellen Road. And of course, as, as I think we mentioned on last week's show as well, they're, they're missing key players through injury. You know, no uh, Calvin Phillips, no Patrick Bamford. They're due to return next month. Um, and they're averaging, a, you know, they're averaging almost two goals conceded per game this season. So they're in a really poor run of form. I think they're a side that could potentially get dragged into the relegation battle. Um, but I think for Man United, this this will be a game though they will get the job done on the weekend. Yeah, you mentioned Leeds' absence at the moment, and rightly so. Bamford, Phillips, two big misses for Leeds, and also Rafinha. He didn't play against Everton, and you kind of wonder whether he was tired or whether there was a ulterior reason as to him not playing against the Toffees but also if he was rested surely it would have made more sense to rest him against Man United this weekend because in that landscape of the bottom period of the table you're kind of thinking well actually maybe that's the game you really need to win rather than the Red Devils but again I'm not Marcelo Bielsa and it would be a fool's errand to try and work out what he thinks but James I want to get your thoughts on West Ham what you're thinking in terms of the Europa League because that returns on Thursday night but the Hammers will have a period off because they actually won their group so they don't have to worry about that new knockout phase playoff phase which is even more confusing so what do you make of the current odds of 11 to 1 to win the tournament outright um i mean you'd certainly make them a good value bet after how they dismantled their group earlier in the season but i do think there are slightly more reliable bets out there quite like severe at 7 to 1 they've dropped down from the champions league and they always tend to run deep in this competition i also think it's worth having a look at barcelona they're just behind on 8 to 1 and they're slowly improving under xavi they made some decent signings in january as well and with their top four status not quite guaranteed in la liga i think they are fourth at the time of recording so winning this competition is a potential alternative route for them to get back into the Champions League next season. But, yeah, I do think if the Hammers were to come up against Dortmund and Napoli and Atalanta, then they'd probably fall short over two legs. Well, Jamie, in terms of those European matters for West Ham, as I say, they're going to appear on the horizon soon. But before then, they have the small matter of playing an informed Newcastle. So the Hammers are priced as the relative outsiders in the race for fourth at 7-1. to one. Can they shorten those odds with a win over the Magpies on Saturday? Yeah, I, I think this will certainly be a tricky game for them. I mean, you look at the form of Newcastle, um, they have been really impressive over recent weeks and I definitely think that they're a side that will now stay up and they'll look to start climbing the table. Um, however, I do think West Ham will have too much quality for them. Of course, um, you know, Kieran Trippier will be missing for them and will miss him for a couple of weeks. So that's a big blow. We've seen how important he's been for them. So I think West Ham will get the job done um, on the weekend. But, uh, you know, for, for West Ham, I think the big thing will be their run in the, Europe, uh, in the Europa League. I think to have that competition as a distraction, I look at their kind of the quality and depth and the people they have to come off the bench. I just don't think they've got that that depth to, to really push in the Europa League and push for the top four. So I think that that's what will ultimately hinder them um, in that race for in, in that race for fourth place. And they've also got some very tough games coming up as well, or, or, or remaining. They've got still got to go to Spurs away, Liverpool away, Chelsea away, and then they've still got Arsenal and Manchester City at home. So some really tough fixtures as well. Um, so I think they're a, they're a great, obviously great side with with Jaron Bowen in, in fantastic form. But I think they'll be just short in the end in the race for the top four. Well, it's so hard to pick a candidate at the moment because you've got this skewed table, if you will. Man United and West Ham have played what twenty five games this season. Arsenal Tottenham have played 22, and you're kind of thinking, okay, do you want, as we said before, do you want the points on the board, do you want the games in hand? And every time teams have 
games in hand. They don't seem to make best use of them. So although West Ham will probably run out of fixtures in the end, they are kind of doing things the right way by actually getting those points on the board first and asking the questions of the likes of Arsenal and Tottenham. The same with Man United, of course, after beating Brighton. So it's going to be really, really interesting. And I think the odds... Although they are painting a picture, I don't think it's quite the correct picture, which we'll get to in a bit more detail later on. But let's pivot back to Newcastle, James, because as Jamie's alluded to, there's no Kieran Trippier. And it's not just Kieran Trippier absent for this weekend. It could be as many as six weeks with that metatarsal break. You know, the one that always does footballers. It's probably four weeks before you can get a heel on that. It's probably six weeks in total before you can actually kick a ball without pain. So after three straight league wins for Newcastle... They are now 4-1 to one in terms of the relegation market. That's edged out even further. But are they now going to become unstuck in their bid to avoid the drop? Do you remember those uh, that goal trilogy of films? That were kind of- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this feels like a weird fourth segment in which England's third-choice right-back is proven to be the major catalyst of Newcastle's survival from Premier League relegation and you know I guess I guess him breaking his foot in mid-February is just the latest plot twist in that but I don't actually think it'll make a huge deal of difference yes he will be a miss but this is a Newcastle side that will probably be playing with a great deal of confidence so, you know they go to West Ham next of course which they probably wouldn't have expected to get much from anyway so this one's a bit of a free hit whether or not Trippier would have played but you know over the next few weeks they've got games against Brentford Brighton and Crystal Palace so there's plenty of opportunities for them to pick up points and in terms of personal now they still have Bruno Grimares to come into the side, so he'll give them a lift. And we've still got Alan Maximan who can win games on his own. And, you know, once Chris Wood gets up and running, if that ever happens, they will be much more of a threat. So, you know, there's plenty of positives for Newcastle at the moment. They certainly are. As you're right in saying that it's not just Trippier, you know, he's not the only signing they've made in January. And with his absence, they're thinking, oh, no, the house of cards will collapse. There are other smart signings that have been made, but it's just... They're just getting head of steam and you think, you know, this is the turning point, the watershed moment for Newcastle season. And as you say, the plot twist has now happened and it'll be interesting to see what happens thereafter. But now let's go to our long shot Ackers because once again, it's time to pick something between 2-1 to one and 5-1 to one for this weekend. And Jamie, I'm going to start with you this time. What have you got mm-hmm. for me? Yes, obviously on Friday evening, a big clash at the top of League One. We've got Rotherham first place versus Wigan. Um, Of course, Wigan travelling to Rotherham. So um, I've gone for Rotherham to beat Wigan and both teams to score. Um, So obviously Rotherham, I do think they'll just about edge that one. I think they've been in fantastic form recently. They've won all of the last six matches. They do lead Wigan by six points as well. Um, And I think, you know, uh, Wigan also have faltered a bit over, over recent weeks as well. They've only won two of the last five matches as well. So I do favour Rodham to, to kind of just about get the edge in that one. Um, both teams have scored a lot of goals this season. They've averaged around two goals a game. So I think there will be goals in this game. As I said, I do think it'll be a cagey affair because two two teams that are going to be desperately wanting to uh, you know get those three points. Um, but uh, I definitely fancy both teams to score as well. And uh, But I do think Rodham will just about edge it. So uh, I've got that 10 to 3, uh, Rodham to beat Wigan and both teams to score. It's a very solid pick. And James, what have you got for me? Well, well, seeing as JB went nicely over the two to one minimum threshold, I'm going to be a little bit naughty and go ever so slightly under it. But it is a banker, so that makes everything okay, doesn't it? I'm going to go for a Chelsea win to nil over Crystal Palace at 17 to 10. So not far under two to one. They've beaten the Eagles each of the last eight meetings and Palace aren't scoring that many recently only one in fact in games against Norwich and Brentford so they might well struggle to break through this Chelsea defence that can keep anyone out on the day so yes a Chelsea win to nil over Palace at 17 to 10. Okay then so if you're sort of going under I'm going to go full fat I'm going to go five to one and it's going to be Watford to win at Aston Villa 
And before you start groaning everywhere, again, as I said last week, I'm a great believer of the run has to end at some point. And Watford's run has been terrible. 11 without a win in the Premier League, the joint worst record in the division at the moment. It has to happen at some point. You know, we talk about new manager bounce. It hasn't happened for Watford at all. One point from nine in the Roy Hodgson era. How short that will be, who knows? But you get the feeling that they are a team that needs a win. It has to happen at some point, surely. Aston Villa not had a great week. Obviously, they were 3-1 up against Leeds, threw that away. They lost to Newcastle. So they're kind of blowing more cold than hot. They're there for the taking, I think. And if Watford are to get that first win, it will hopefully, in this context, happen as soon as the weekend. I'm going to fatten this up quite nicely and go for 5-1 to one for Watford to win. So let's see if that Hail Mary punt comes good at the weekend. And of course, check out the freebets.com website for all the latest offers and enhanced odds from all the leading bookmakers. Right, let's go to North London now. It's both Arsenal and Tottenham, as I said, have three games in hand over the pair of United. And James, in the past week, the Gunners' odds in this top four race have shortened roughly to five to four. Now, depending on the bookie, it's a bit of variance. Could be three to one, could be a little bit less than five to four. But is this simply a case of them not losing by not playing, that they've kind of watched the world burn in front of them and they've just sort of stood still and actually thought, do you know what, we might be in the box seat all of a sudden. Yeah, I, th- I think it's largely a symptom of the bookies covering their asses a bit because no one has any real firm idea as to who's going to finish fourth. But the Gunners are certainly in the mix. And I think even Tottenham Hotspur fans who appear on betting podcasts will agree that Mikel Arteta is doing a pretty good job at Arsenal. They're showing their gritty side, which has been missing for years. But, you know, ultimately, I think lack of a strike will let them down in the end. While their disciplinary record is almost certain to catch up with them as well. But... That said, they've got a great run of fixtures between now and around mid-April, so if they can keep momentum going, then who knows? But I think they might come unstuck against the smaller sides once or twice too often. Well, JB, from a Spurs point of view, the line which is parroted is the games in hand. We know that all too well, but there's always that danger of, will we make use of these games in hand? Not only that, but there's also Man City at the weekend. So three defeats in a row could very easily become four defeats in a row. So are you confident that Spurs can make good use of these additional matches? <laughs> um, not particularly. <laughs> I mean, being a bit, unfortunately, being a Spurs fan, I have to be kind of pessimistic at the moment. But uh, no, it's, it's been a really, really worrying uh, kind of patch for Spurs at the moment. Um, to have lost, as you said, to lost those three games. And then it was just the manner of the defeats against uh, Southampton and Wolves. I think we, against Wolves, we just weren't even there. It, was, it wasn't a performance where... You know, Wolves were definitely the better team. I think it was just psychologically, Spurs were just so defeated. And I think you could have put any side in front of Spurs on the weekend and I think they would have lost. I just think, you know, they missed so many misplaced passes. Defensively, we were all over the place. So, um, yeah, very, very concerning for Spurs. And then, of course, as you said, there's a massive week coming up. We've got Manchester City away. We've got three away games this week. We've got to go to Man City. We've then got Burnley in midweek, which I don't think will be an easy game. We've, of course, seen Liverpool just about get over the line there. Of course, Man United drew there as well. So that'll be a tough game. And then on the weekend, we've got Leeds away. So three tough away games um, and obviously on the road. So that's going to be it's going to be a very, very tricky week for Spurs. But for Arsenal, they're at home twice and their their um, their weekend match against Liverpool in in I think two weeks time uh, has been postponed. They're in obviously in the League Cup final Liverpool, so um, Arsenal will also have a rest. They're going to have two games this week. They've got Brentford at home and Wolves at home, so I think they'll fancy their chances in both. So as a Spurs fan, I do really worry that Arsenal will kind of make up quite or or, or certainly move away from Spurs this week. So um, I think Arsenal will definitely benefit this week. 
Well, Jamie, I'll stay with you because looking at the odds in the top four market for Tottenham, they're priced at three to one. But again, is this a false price? Is it distorted by this games in hand code that they're trying to unlock? Because it looks, in theory, yes, you could add nine points in the best possible circumstances and Tottenham would be in the box seat. But as we kind of just discussed, that's not going to happen. So is three to one a little bit too short for you? I, I do think so. I mean, if you, as I said, if you look at the run we have, I think to have three away games in a row is going to be really tricky. I think, yes, some of them are winnable games, but I think to have three in a row is just going to make it really, really tricky. And just kind of the way Spurs are in at the moment, as I said, I really felt like you could have put anyone in front of Spurs on the weekend and we still would have lost. Um, I think we're... It'll be interesting to see whether um, Oliver Skip is back. I think he's a really crucial player. for. He's proved to be a crucial player for Spurs, which is quite incredible that a 21-year-old who's just come up from the championship is is proving to be crucial for Spurs. It kind of says everything about where we are at the moment. But I think in terms of Spurs, we need to get back to playing a 3-5-2, in my opinion. I think that that's best for Conte. The 3-4-3 just looked absolutely appalling for Spurs. So I do really worry about... Um, finishing in the, in, in the top four this season. I think it's going to be a really, really big ask for Conte and, and Spurs. And James, as for Arsenal, they play host to Brentford on Saturday. And Thomas Frank's men have not had the best of times. We alluded to it last week. They lost five in a row. That, that run ended at the weekend with a stalemate at home to Crystal Palace. So it's no one in six for the Bees. Can they earn a top flight double, though, over the Gunners? I can't see it personally. I think they've just started to plateau a little bit following that really strong start to the season, of course began with that win over Arsenal on that Friday night on the opening weekend. But goals are continuing to be an issue for them. They've scored more than once on only one occasion since December. They're 14th in the table. And you know what? I think that's fair. I think they're the 14th best side in the division, which adds plenty of weight to league table formats for deciding major honours, I guess. Yes. I mean, it's amazing how this has lasted a century. But I think finally league tables do make sense. But Jamie, in terms of Brentford, are you concerned at all? I mean, obviously you're a Spurs fan, so you're probably not too concerned. But from a neutral <laughs> perspective, would you would you be concerned about Brentford and their potential relegation battle? Because as James says, they're 14th, which is probably the last of the what you could consider genuine mid-table teams. Now, if their run of bad results continues, which could be extended to seven come the weekend, then the likes of Everton and Leeds will probably be rubbing the hands of thinking they're there to be gobbled up. So if that is the mm. case, does a relegation battle then ensue for Thomas Frank's men? Mm. I, I think if you look at the current bottom three, I think that barring any kind of dramatic changes, I think that that will probably remain the same. I think Norwich, Watford and Burnley are probably three sides that will go down this season. I think that, that they look inevitable, inevitable that they will go down. So I think Brentford will just about stay up. But I think if any side out of the bottom three at the moment we'll get dragged into it I think Brentford are probably the most likely of, of teams um, of course after their game on the weekend they do have some um, in, in very interesting fixtures coming up they've got three games against uh, sides who are, are in and around that that bottom three they've got Newcastle at home then they've got Nor- they've got to go to Norwich um, away and then Burnley at home so that will be a, a really decisive run of, of fixtures for them and then of course if they were unable to get results out of those games um, they're then on a really tough run where they have to go to uh, Leicester and Chelsea and then they've got to play West Ham so I think that the, the upcoming run of games for Brentford is going to be really decisive for them as I said they're playing teams in and around them in the bottom three and then a really tough run of games so very interested to see kind of um, how they get on during that run but I think they're as I said they're, they're probably the most likely team to get dragged into the the race for the relegation uh, if, if Norwich, Watford and Burnley can sort themselves out. 
Now, James, if we pivot back to the white half of North London, as I kind of alluded to, I think it's going to get worse before it gets any better for Tottenham. That means probably four defeats in a row for Spurs. Is that the same opinion for you? What odds have you got for me at the Etihad? What's taking your eye? I don't think it's completely cut and dry this weekend. Spurs have won four of the last nine meetings with City, although all of those victories did come at home. Plus, you've got City perhaps resting one or two after they hammered Sporting in the Champions League in midweek. But look, I think Conte will be looking further ahead than this one. The fixtures aren't bad after this one. They face Burnley, Leeds and Everton in the trio of matches after City. So if they can get seven or nine points out of those, easier said than done, of course, then they remain in the mix ahead of... Huge trip to Old Trafford in mid-March, but as far as bets are concerned, I think City might be a little bit slow out of the, bo- out of the blocks rather on Saturday evening. So I'm going to go for draw half-time City full-time. You can get that at around 7-2. to I wish I shared your confidence, but let's move on. Because staying in the Premier League very quickly, let's pluck out some of the other big stories of this upcoming weekend. Now, Jamie, our good friends Everton travelled to Southampton on Saturday. Would you fancy a double chance bet for the Toffees this weekend? Yeah, so for, for them, I certainly wouldn't bet in favour of Everton this weekend. For me, Southampton, I think they're in a fine run of form at the moment, as we've seen. They've, uh, you know, they, in the last three matches, they've taken points off Manchester United and Manchester City. They, of course, ended City's run of, of 12 consecutive wins, I think, two weeks ago or so. And then, of course, they got that fantastic win at Spurs. And they've looked like a really, really good side. And they've made a lot of teams work very hard to get any sort of points off them. So um, I certainly think that Southampton will edge this one on the weekend. Um, and then, of course, I, I just really, I, as I said, there's a lot of players that I do really like at Southampton as well. I think Brozier um, on loan from Chelsea's having a fantastic season and another frustrating one for, from a Spurs point of view that Chelsea produced another a, a really in, interesting talent. Um, Romeo, I thought, was absolutely outstanding against uh, Manchester United at Old Trafford. James Ward-Prowse was, of course, brilliant against Spurs. Got a, got an assist in that game. Salisu looks like a really solid central defender. So there's a lot to like, I think, about Southampton um, at the moment. Ralph uh, Ralph always, of course, he's had that, I think, fantastic and real credit to Southampton. They've stuck with him through very difficult times. I think he's always showed signs that he could be a very good manager and he's got a definitive way of playing football. Um, so I, I certainly think they're, they're now starting to pay off for, for their patience with him. And uh, I think on the weekend, they will just about get the better of Everton. I know they have that big win over Leeds, but uh, I think Southampton, they're a more established side at the moment. Everton, of course, they're in the early stages under under Frank Lampard. I, I, I do fancy them to do well under Lampard. I personally quite like Frank Lampard. I think at Chelsea, he was in a very difficult situation because... Of us uh, to start off with, I think it was a, it was you know he brought through those young players and the expectation at the first was was quite low. Then when they started having those transfer windows, the expectation really started to grow. So I think at Everton the expectation will be a lot lower, and I think he'll get the best out of of, of certain players at, at that club. So I fancy them to do well under under Lampard, but uh, on the weekend I, I think uh, Southampton will get the better of them. And Jamie, I'll stay with you because we've got James's view on what will happen at Selhurst Park at the weekend. But I just want to get your take because Chelsea are back in Premier League action after securing the Club World mm. Cup, albeit in a in a rather difficult fashion to what they would have hoped. Can you see them dealing with a struggling Palace in South London on Saturday? Yeah, I, I think we said on, on on last week's show when we were talking about the Club World Cup. I mean, Chelsea are in a, a really strange run of form where, of course, we saw them go, you know, just about get over the line at Plymouth, even with a fairly strong team. They've been in in, in very odd form, and their performances just haven't been great. We, uh, as we said at the Club World Cup, you know, they they just about got over the line in in both matches. Um, when I think they won by one goal in, in both games, so. 
So they're certainly in a very strange run of form at the moment. Um, I think they are they are in kind of that 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 point where they are not quite good enough to catch Liverpool, Man City, but I think they are going to be just about too strong, um, and will somehow just about remain uh, in 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 the top four. Um, but I think this game will be a very interesting one. I think Palace they are a good side at home. So I think they'll certainly give Chelsea a match. But again, I think Chelsea will just about have too much for them. And uh, I think Chelsea will get the job done. And James, of course, Norwich, their fixture computer has been unkind to them because it was City last week, Liverpool this. They shipped four to City at Carrow Road last Saturday. Will it be the same at Anfield? And if so, what are those odds? Well, I mean, you can get over 3.5 goals at around the sort of even money mark. I think it all depends on how early Norwich concede. If they can sit in and dig deep for 45 minutes or an hour, then, you know, they might come away pretty unscathed losing one or two nil. But if they concede in the opening sort of 15, 20 minutes, then it could be a bit of an onslaught for them. I actually, I'm of the opinion that Liverpool go out there and get the job done pretty efficiently. At least I'm hoping that's the case because it's a double game week for Liverpool on the fantasy football and I'm triple captain Mo Salah. So I'm pretty much all in on Salah bringing up the goods. So, yeah, I, I can't see Liverpool having too much of a problem in this one, even if they are having to be patient. So, no, I think it's going to be a Liverpool win to nil either way. But I think you're probably looking at a three or four nil job. Well, that could be another blow for Norwich. They had a head of steam just building before the visit of Man City on Saturday. But that has just been completely crushed, isn't it? And as I say, with Liverpool to follow... You're kind of thinking, well, just get these games out of the way. They're not going to define their season, but it might hurt their goal difference. And that's probably what Dean Smith is thinking. Just don't lose by too much. And, you know, that might just help them further down the line. But before we move on, I'd like to get a correct score bet from you both this week. Doesn't matter where it is, anywhere in the world. I want to see if you can get the outcome spot on. So, James, I'm going to start with you. What have you got for me? Well, Dan, they do say that useless minds think alike. And I'm actually on board with you. I think Watford might go and get a win at Villa Park. I've gone for a 3-2 victory for them. Aston Villa and they actually have a good record against Villa they've beaten them in four of the last five games and three of those victories have been with 3-2 scorelines get it at 80-1 to one to happen again and I know, we, I know we all have that odd quid lying around in a bookie account so why not slap it on that Wow I didn't see that one coming Jamie what have you got for me? Yep, um, I'm also sticking with the uh, Premier League match and, of course, the game we discussed earlier. I'm going to go for Manchester United to win 3-1 at Ellen Road. Um, I think Manchester United, they are prone to conceding goals. They have conceded average over 1.2, uh, 1.28 goals uh, per game. So I think that Leeds will get a goal. And, of course, we, we, we do see that Leeds are a side that do have plenty of goals in them. But they also are a side that do concede a lot as well. So I think Manchester United now, they are back on track. And I fancy them to kind of go on a bit of a run. As I said, I think Ronaldo ending that six-game run. I think the floodgates will start to open for him. And we'll see a couple of goals from him as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm going for a 3-1 win for, for Manchester United at Ellen Road. And don't forget, if you fancy any of those, visit freebets.com to find the best odds for those two picks. Right, where should we go now? Let's go across Europe, actually, because although Wednesday's Champions League action will probably be just out of date by the time this goes live, we can still focus on some Thursday night action in the Europa League. So let's start there, because there are, of course, two tournaments to deal with on Thursdays now. And as mentioned, it's the knockout phase payoff round, which has British interest this year. And... James, it's Borussia Dortmund being paired with Rangers. Now, Rangers have been, I guess, stuttering. We focused that point recently on the show. So for this, it's a case of out the frying pan into the fire because it gets no easier. Yes, they rolled over Hearts and Annan Athletic in League and Cup, but this is going to be a much more different task. So what is the tale of the tape at Signal Aduna Park? Well, I mean, it goes without saying that 
they'll have to keep the score down in Germany to keep themselves in the tie. But you know, Erling Haaland is out of this one, so there is perhaps a chance for them to do that. But I can't see them keeping clean sheets in either game, and that's likely to be the cause of their downfall. And Dortmund games are often basketball matches at times, and having seen Rangers fall to pieces in the blood and thunder of the old firm a couple of weeks ago, I just can't see them being able to cope with the sort of pace and intensity that BVB can bring on European nights. Well, staying in the Europa League, Jamie, there's no doubt that Barcelona playing host to Napoli is arguably the biggest tie of the round. How do you think things will unfold at the Camp Nou on Thursday? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this game, actually. I think that these are two sides that are really in form at the moment and have really improved over recent weeks as well. Um, I think for Barcelona, um, they under Xavi, they have made huge improvements. I think, as James mentioned at the start of the show, they have... Uh, obviously, since the sacking of Ronald Koeman, they've just looked just looked a lot more like a Barcelona side. We, of course, saw Xavi do very well in his previous managerial jobs and kind of play more of that Barcelona style. Um, and he has, he's really impressed recently. Um, they, of course, got that big win at the Nou Camp uh, a few weeks ago where they won 4-2 against Atletico Madrid. So they certainly showed they're a side that are really improving under him. Um, I think they'll probably get, they'll probably finish top four um, in, in the Liga this season. I fancy them now to go and catch Real Betis. And, and potentially Sevilla. Um, they, of course, had a strong January transfer win, in my opinion, bringing in Aubameyang, um, Ferran Torres, Adama Traore. So they made some really great additions. They've got a fantastic blend of youth players as well with Gavi, Pedro and, and Araujo, um, of course, that central defender. So um, I'm really, really excited for this one. And, of course, Napoli as well. They're doing really well in, in, in Serie A. They're third at the moment. They're just two points off the top. They got a draw with Inter Milan on the weekend. So... I think this is a really, really exciting exciting tie. Um, I think Barcelona will probably get the better of Napoli on the night. I think they've been in, as I said, they've been in fine form at, at the new Camp uh, this uh, this season and certainly under Xavi. So I think that Barcelona will just about edge this one uh, on Thursday. Well, I plumped for a draw in this game when I did a preview on it this morning. So with that in mind, Jamie, the abolishment of the away goals rule, is that going to tilt how teams prepare for European competition now? Yeah, I, I mean, I said this, uh, I, was, I was having this conversation as well with a couple of my mates, um, having watched the Real Madrid versus uh, Paris Saint-Germain game last night. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen Real Madrid be as quite as defensive as that in a, in a very, very long time. It was looked like they were pretty much playing for a goalless draw. Um, they just wanted to make it a one-legged affair at the, the Bernabeu in, in a couple of weeks' time. And and we kind of saw exactly why the away goal was was introduced in the first place to stop teams from just sitting in and, and playing for the draw, um, and then making it, and then obviously hoping that they they have better form at home. So it's I, I find it very strange that that away goal has been uh, uh, abolished. So um, yes, I think we'll see a lot of teams who are away first um, really try to sit in and play for a draw. So. I think it's a, it's certainly a strange decision and uh, I think we'll see that a lot over the coming weeks. Yeah, it's one of those rules where you don't know if it's going to benefit teams or not really. The proof will be in the pudding as always. It might be beneficial for away teams, it might not. But, you know, football never really stands still. So I guess we just have to embrace the lack of away goals going forward. But going forward in this show, James, it's also time to focus on the Europa Conference League. Much maligned, but Leicester now have to make deal with that competition after dropping out of the Europa League. Is it all eggs in a Thursday night basket for Brendan Rodgers this season? And will Randers post much of a test? Well, well, considering he didn't know what the Europa Conference League was a matter of weeks ago, I can't see him being overly enthused about going on and winning this competition. But that said, they, they should give Randers a, a hiding, really. The Danish side aren't even troubling the top sides in their own domestic leagues. They're unlikely to give Leicester much trouble. Um, they don't score many goals. 
and Nielsen haven't played a competitive game for a couple of months due to the Scandinavian winter break. So I do think this will be a leisurely Leicester stroll on Thursday. Try saying that after a couple of pints. But big picture, can't see Brendan Rodgers going out on a limb to win the whole thing. And Jamie, we spoke about Rangers' European exploits recently. What about Celtic? They're in the Europa Conference League. So could they be one of the value bets in the outright market? Yeah, I mean, they've obviously been in really, really good form over the last couple of months or they've won 15 of the last 16 in all competitions. So really impressive form there. And I think they'll certainly fancy their chances. They've got Bodo uh, in, 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 the, in the next round of the competition. Of course, they did beat Roma uh, 6-1 Bodo. So they potentially maybe might be a, a tricky game for them. But I do think they will certainly fancy their chances of getting through that one. Um, and then, of course, following a, a pretty tricky start to the season under Ange, they've they've really turned it around and they're, they're starting to play great football. Um, and as I said, their form's just been really good. But uh, I think inevitably, I think there'll be too many sides that are just too strong for them. I think Marseille are playing really well at the moment. They're second in, in Liga. Uh, Leicester, as you just mentioned, they're a side that are going to be very strong. They, of course, produced a good performance on the weekend. Yes, they've been struggling over recent weeks, but I certainly fancy them to kind of um, kind of get their ideas together and, uh, and go on a good run. And of course, you saw Rennes, they topped their group ahead uh, of, head of Spurs. Um, so I think that there's a number of sides that are probably too good for them and, and there's probably a reason why they are 25-1 to 1 to, to win the competition Celtic. Yeah, it wouldn't be the worst fiver you'd ever spent in terms of betting, but as you say, for the, the right reasons, there are probably better teams in the competition, but you never know, do you? As you say, momentum is such a big factor in football and that might be the thing that leads Celtic to more European glory. But I just want to stay north of the border now for our last segment of this show and it's due to matters off the field because Aberdeen have sacked Stephen Glass in the past week. His 11th month tenure has come to an end. Not a great time for Glass. Shattered Glass, if you will. So James, it begs the question, who will be the next person to enter the Pataudry hot seat? Well, the the two frontrunners appear to be St Mirror boss Jim Goodwin, who's doing a really good job actually. Got the buddies promoted a couple of years ago and have progressed year on year since then. And you've also got Jack Ross, who was recently given the boot by Hibernian. He was also sacked by Sunderland after failing to get them promoted from League One. I thought he was pretty unfortunate on that part, actually. He did get them to a playoff final and they lost that in the 94th minute. But aside from those two, it's a bit of a free-for-all, really. Got Derek Adams, who got sacked in the last 48 hours or so by Bradford in League Two. He's 5-1 to one. then. A bit for right. You got Neil Lennon at sixteen to one. He's fast becoming the Alan Kirbishley of Scottish football managerial odds, and that would of course give us a reunion with his former midfield enforcer at Celtic, Scott Brown. So that'd be pretty interesting to see. I might stick a couple of quid on that one for interest. Yeah, it's interesting with Neil Lennon because it's a sense of where do you go from there after Celtic? You know, he'd never go to Rangers, so surely every job in Scotland would be perceived as down, which it probably is. No disrespect to any other clubs, but it just is. That's the natural order of Scottish football. So unless he is willing to go down the totem pole or go to England, you kind of think, where does he fit in? And as you rightly say, he has become a muck curbs, if you will. But Jamie, in terms of Stephen Glass's appointment at Aberdeen, as I say, a rather bust, if you will. Mm. That came from the MLS. He was manager of Atlanta United beforehand. So will Chairman Dave Cormack opt for something a bit more experienced in terms of Scottish Premiership now, this time around? Yeah, I think to make an appointment like that, it's always kind of a, a very big risk. And, and with that, you try to kind of hope that they bring a style of football that maybe is, is quite ambitious and you want to play a particular way. So 
they obviously weren't willing to kind of let him have that real chance. He did have, I think, 11 months to kind of implement that. And we just didn't see um, him implement any sort of style uh, there. And of course, their results over, over recent weeks was the reason that he was sacked. And uh, they're obviously not going to be willing to, to kind of go for that risk again and, and give a manager real time to to try and implement a style that might look to challenge Rangers and Celtic. So, as you said, I think they'll go for a more safer appointment this time. They'll go for someone who's more trusted in, in the Scottish League. Um, as we mentioned, Lil Lennon, I think, would be a really interesting one. Of course, I, I don't see him maybe dropping down to the lower leagues in England. So I think that this might be quite a good job for him. Um, Jack Ross as well, he's reportedly quite keen on the job as well. And he's, he's fairly short odds to, to get that. And I think he was you know, sacked by Hibernian back in December. So I think he'll be keen to kind of return to, to, to Scottish action straight away. So I think that, that, that Neil Lennon might be a, a, an interesting shout, as is Jack Ross. So, uh, yes, I think one of those two might be my shout for, for the next manager. And James, last week we spoke about the race for the Scottish Premiership title. When you look at the other 10 teams in, in the division, is it difficult for a chairman to appoint a manager? Because really the target can only ever be third place at best. Um, yes, in short, but... A lot of managers will see these jobs as potential launching pads for their own careers. A good tenure at an Aberdeen or a Hibs can lead to those glamorous jobs in Glasgow or even somewhere down south. And I think they perhaps also get a bit more time and a little bit less pressure on their shoulders when it comes to things like instant progression and building sides, knowing that the duopoly of Rangers and Celtics unlikely to be broken anytime soon. And it's also difficult on a financial basis for the clubs themselves to attract real top-level talent. But Scotland always produces a lot of high-class coaches and managers, so there's a solid production line of up-and-comers who can do well with these perceived smaller clubs. And with that in mind, Jamie, does it also make the Scottish top flight such a brutal league to deal with? Because for teams like Aberdeen, who will desire to be the best of the rest, they can just as easily find themselves, or they are finding themselves, in the bottom mm. half of the table. So it's a nightmare, really, because two or three good results, you're sitting pretty the reverse and it's all looking ugly. Mm. Well, I mean, look, you've got you've got to find you know you've got to find a different way of doing it, and maybe with Stephen Glass, that's what they tried to do. You know, getting a manager who can improve players, who can play a, a, a good, exciting, attacking round of football. But you know, then you've got to give them time to to do that as well. And uh, so you've got to do you've got to find something different, a different way of of kind of approaching it. But yeah, I think it's always going to be a very very tricky task, and and that's why it's going to be very frustrating for. Aberdeen fans to kind of hope for for better results but um, yeah I think now as I said they'll probably go for a safer option and, and probably one that that will struggle to kind of break that dominance of, of Rangers and Celtic. And of course if you fancy any of those Aberdeen runners and riders check out freebets.com for the best insights and odds for that market and of course any other betting tips ahead of this weekend. Okay our final bit of business is our odds on threefold as we all pick a leg each and combine it into our acker to try and get over the line. Now, apologies, Man United let us down last weekend. I don't know how that happened, but again, odds on bets, they don't always go to plan. Let's hope it goes to plan this time around. So, James, I'll start with you. What have you got for me, mate? OK, well, Jamie is going to absolutely hate this one because I'm dipping into the double chance market and I'm going for Everton or draw in their clash at Southampton this weekend. They did the double over the Saints last season. Frank Lampard's had some time with the squad now to put his ideas into place. And I think five to six of them to avoid defeat against what is a hit and miss Southampton side is pretty steady value. Well, conflict's nice. I like a bit of conflict. It makes things interesting. But Jamie, what have you got for me? Yeah, um, I've got Brighton to beat Burnley. Uh, they're at home as well. I think Brighton, I keep saying it, I, I do think that Graham Potter's a great manager. They're a, they're a good side. And of course, Burnley, they have been really struggling. I've got that 8-11 to 11, uh, for Brighton to beat Burnley on the weekend. 
And through very good teeth, I'm going to back Arsenal at 4-9. to nine. Brentford haven't won in six. I don't see them breaking that streak at the weekend. I know they beat Arsenal at the first day of the season, but I can't see magic happening twice around. So I'm going to plump for Arsenal and hopefully our Acker gets over the line for the first time this season. And if it does, you'll hear us crowing about it on next week's show. And also don't forget to use the odds on podcast hashtag. Right, so that brings us to full time. So I just need to do the admin before we wrap up. As mentioned before, if any of your bets or any of our bets take your fancy, make sure to visit the free bets website first. And now I just need to thank my duo of top guests. James, thanks for joining me this afternoon. I hope you enjoyed that one. Yeah, it was all right, I guess. <laughs> Cheers, Dad. Thanks for that damning praise. And Jamie, thanks for your time and sharing your betting insights with me. Thanks for having me, Dan. Cheers, guys, and also to the listeners out there. And with that said, it just needs me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is the Odds On Podcast. And until next time, goodbye. Thank you.